If the sound of a machine tool removing metal gets your blood pumping, then you are Metal Working Nation. This is Making Chips, where we talk all things metalworking, engineering and design, production and tooling combined with business best practices, technology, marketing, news, and new media for manufacturing professionals. Here are your hosts. Let's make some chips. Welcome, manufacturing leaders, metalworking nation, to the third and final installment of our roundtable discussions with Making Chips. Yeah. This is it. Final day. Yeah. It's been a great oh, show. Yeah, it yes. is. And thank you to all the Making Chips listeners. It's amazing where we've come from after eight years of working with this guy and three yeah. and a half with this yeah. guy. How many it's episodes been, now? Uh, 335 or something like that. Yeah. We're yeah, having a record a, download a month, nearly 20,000 uh, downloads this month. So yeah. It's unbelievable. It's surpassed uh, our expectations. Thank yeah, you absolutely. very much. And I want to really thank IMTS, AMT, for just supporting Making Chips. I think the past three IMTS has been six years of doing this and being on the main stage, I think, probably about 10 times. And in particular, I want to thank, uh, of course, Peter, Michelle. Yep. The show boss. The show boss. Doug, of course, of AMT. Uh, Bonnie, MC. I mean, you guys have been, you, yeah. all of you have been so instrumental in more. helping there's, us. There's many there's more. more. The involved, whole AMT team I mean, has just been great for making chips, and we really appreciate it. And, you know, it's been a great partnership. There's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that you don't know that uh, we... Someone's got to put makeup on Jim. That's right. Somebody, that's, yeah, right. That's, that's, right. that's right. And I'll take it. I'll take it. But here we are. Right. We're under the bright lights. But we're, we're not talking about that today. We're no. not. What are we talk we're, we're talking about what happens when the lights go out. Well, is that appropriate? Well, I'm talking unattended machining. Oh, oh gotcha, okay. gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Manufacturing ha, 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 automation. Ha, ha, ha. Now when go. the lights go out in uh, yeah. Jim's room. <laughs> nice. Well, and can I can I talk about something like just completely different? Why not? Oh, go ahead. I want to express my condolences, Jim. What's that? I heard that you've been demoted to quality assurance manager. I saw it. Yeah, I hear I got a couple new roles in my company. It's on the sign. It's official. <laughs> oh, you yeah. probably don't want to talk about it, though, do you? No. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, all right, all right. No it's time for retire. The next step is retirement. I know. Well... It's out there somewhere. Just give us a half hour. I'll one, give you a half an hour. Yeah, you one bet. more episode and then we're done with you. All right. Just push me off the stage. It's not just us today. We've got a couple guests. Yes. yes. Let's talk. What are we talking about? Machining automation. All right. Yeah. I love Will it. Will you introduce our guests? Well, Jason, I, I'll introduce Jason's the first gonna one. Go, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So our first guest is an expert in CNC machine automation, machine tending. He's the founder and president of Fusion OEM and RoboJob USA. He's no stranger to making chips. No way. Please welcome Craig Zubaris. Hey, Welcome. How are you doing? Oh, come and shake hands. Here we go. Okay. Great. Give it there, Thank buddy. you for having me. What's up, man? Thank you for having me. All right. Have a seat. Okay, great. Yeah, I, I have to read it because I'm not that intelligent. <laughs> I can't memorize it. So our next guest helps manufacturing leaders stay productive through the night, lights out, uh, with automatic pallet delivery systems. He has a long history with custom automation and is now the GM, that's general manager, oh. of Trinity Robotics Automation. You can find him at booth 134129, right back there in the East Building. Welcome to the show, Derek Goodwin. Hey, Derek. Hello, Derek. Welcome, man. Nice to you. Hey, have man. a seat. Derek, yeah. welcome. Let's, let's sit and have a, have a talk. I thought you were going to say, let's sit and have a drink. Uh, well, I wish. <laughs> it's coming. 
Unfortunately, I did a little bit too much of that with one of these guys. You did. Well, I'll tell you what. Nobody does, I, I almost don't have, have a voice IMTS. anymore because I've of one of them. I've been going out every single night this week. I that's, mean, that's highly unusual for you. It is highly yeah. unusual. And I'm kind of done with, I want to stay home tonight. Yeah. Like that, you know? Oh, yeah. Just yeah. Hang out. I, I think my wife wants me to stay home, too. Yeah. She wants, you, <laughs> she wants to hand the kids off to you. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I know. I'm done. I'm out. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so let's talk about automation because, yeah. oh, my God, automation is where it's at right now. It is. It's one of the main major themes of this entire show. You know what I'm calling it? A paradigm shift in our industry. Like from manual to CNC? No. Yes, yeah. exactly. It's, from, it's, like, when, it's like the change from everybody wearing suits and shirts to, you know, just hanging out in <laughs> well, a t-shirt. I mean, you don't have that any fashion changed, sense right? at all. Zero, I, well, zero. You know, Jim, we can argue about that. <laughs> but yes, we could. Let's save that for another episode. Yeah, yeah, let's no more arguing. Okay. okay, let's let's talk to it's our guests. Friday. Yeah. I'm so excited that I have two great partners here and they, they solve the same problem. It's all about, you know, unattended machining, it's getting more productivity out of your shop. But you guys do it from different angles. So there's there's pallet delivery style machine automation, and then there's machine tending. And maybe you guys can talk a little bit about that. What's the difference? Let's start with the machine tending, and then we'll move into okay. to pallet delivery. Okay. Um, well, thank you first for having yeah. me. Um, we're very excited about the future, and we're excited to be part of your podcast. Maybe this is my third time, I think, yeah, on here as well, been. so it's yeah. been great. Um, so our delivery systems are, um, what we're offering is just taking raw stock, placing it on a, a what we call a stacker table, um, and it's a tail wagging the dog type of software where you just put the basic dimensions of the part in, and the software tells the machinist where to set up your parts. And what's unique about it too is that it takes the creativity out of the work the machinist has to do for robot automation. Uh, it leaves the creativity to machining, you know, mm -hmm. where they're passionate about. Um, believe it or not, um, machinists might be first interested and excited about, uh, you know, a robot showing up, but they're no, they don't want to be robot programmers. They want to be machinists. They're about optimization. They're creative people. It's an artistic approach to some things and not just a scientific approach. So ours is a little bit unique in the sense of how you set the, the, the jobs up and basically you're putting raw metal down and or uh, non-metallics as well, of course. And uh, then Derek can tell you a little bit more about his pallet systems. Sure. Yeah, most well, machines don't want to just pick and place parts. They want to do something more valuable use the, than that. Use yeah. the most valuable yeah. thing. You know, what's exactly. in between your ears. Get rid of the mundane. Right, and that's right. why we call our systems like the turn assist or the mill assist, because it's an assistant there on the go. floor. Sure. Yeah, sure. It's not replacing it's not anybody. Repl it's not the mill replacement, sure. Exactly, sure. it's not the mill replacement. So let's talk right. pallet delivery. How does that differ from you know moving the stock material? So we have an automation system with a robot, and we deliver pallets to a zero-point system. Okay. So. Our system's really designed to automate a high mix of parts, right? So traditionally robots do a lot of repetitive tasks. We, we can do a high mix of parts because the robot is just moving pallets. So whatever work holding device and part you have on top of the pallet, the, the robot doesn't know. Wow. Okay, so it's, it's delivering the pallet instead of delivering the stock material. Right, right. Okay. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. got it. And Jim, you have a little bit of both? You, I, you, you have I do, each of those flavors of in your you know, shop? Well, Nick crafted some of these questions for me today, and I, I read this, and it resonated so deeply with me. Um, he wanted me to think about automation, what I thought automation was back in the day. Yeah, before you and had any flavor. You want to know what I thought automation was at Car Machine and Tool yes. back in the 80s? Yes, I do. Is if we could set up 
three, four, five, six vices, current vices in a row, and we could load each one, and the tool would come down and do that, that, that. That was automation in our days. Mm -hmm. But now, again, it's all shifted over again. We're running RoboJob, we're running a palletization system in one of our CNC machines, and it is... It's, it's blowing us away. Were you, a pre-automation gym car, were you afraid of it? Did, were you, hey, I know I need to do this. Were you, you know, what was your mindset on it? My mindset was, especially with the robots, was it was too difficult to program. The integration from the robots to the CNC was supposed to be really cumbersome. Um, and I didn't want to spend the time to do that. I'm a machinist, not a computer science guy. Well, it, it doesn't make, again, it, it's a roadblock, right? We want to make it as easy, the integration as easy as possible okay. uh, once it hits the floor. And it, it has been. Okay, yeah, so, th so that's kind of the, the next segue. So since you've, you've now implemented quite a bit of automation compared to the past, how has that mindset shifted? We're we, well, we monitor our systems with machine monitoring, and we know that the lights-out approach is huge. It's very lucrative, and we're definitely going to be buying more capital equipment for the future. Cool. Automation in capital equipment. So let's just say somebody doesn't know. They're like, I want to get into machine automation. Um, I haven't kind of dipped my toes in the water yet, but I want to get started, and I don't know where to start. What's the first step that they should take? How do they go about really automating their machine shop? I would say first look at it, you know, is it a machine tending operation or, or is it a pallet operation? Okay. Right? So, so stop right there. Yeah. How do we know? What, what's the differentiator? Where's the low-hanging fruit? Here, I'm looking at a print, right. and I have to quote that print out. Tell me how I know it's def or tell the audience. I, right. I kind of know, but tell the audience how that they differentiate uh, between a palletization setup or a, robo, uh, a robot, a cobot job. Right, so personally I would look first at volume. So if it's a really high volume job, okay. I may think about machine tending because that may be a lower cost solution. Okay. If it's a high mix and I'm gonna need to change over a robot program every single day or several times a day, then I'm gonna look at a pallet system because we can mount parts on a pallet and again, the robot just doesn't know what it's loading. It's the same sequence for the robot no matter what the part. Ah, thank you, yeah. Now you can answer Jason's. Yeah, how about, how about from your perspective, Craig? Where, well, where do we start? Yeah, so you got to make sure, obviously, your process is stable, right? You want to be able to repeat. Um, there was always, uh, there was somebody who said it once, is like, hey, if I set up this job and I run it and it's, it's stable enough to be, I'm not there during lunch, because there's some guys that are actually in between in the process. It's like a 10-minute process and the, the machinist is opening the doors and then checking something and everything. Um, that's not ready, right? That's the process that's not ready. Uh, you don't want to automate something that's not working. Right, exactly. So, yeah. so you're just automating failures. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> you, you basically have to make sure your process is ready. Um, and then there's so many things that we could talk about. Is, is, the, is the company ready? You know, yeah. for this, mm. you know, yeah, the psychological aspect, right? You're culturally, are you, you ready to talk about this? Um, as soon as you talk about robotics, everybody gets panicky and uh, half of the shop is going to be really interested in it because they know that I don't have to be tending to the machine. I could be focused on my craft. And then there's the other half of the, of the team that'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm out of a job. But yeah. no, that's not true. Uh, Jim, we know that there's somebody that his company 
um, probably three or four to five times what it was before it had robotics in there too. Right. So it, it creates jobs. So you got to make sure your culture is right. You got to make sure your process is right. Uh, and then it goes into starting then next with the equipment, not the robotic equipment, but the CNC equipment. You got to make sure it's robot ready. And what is you know, robot ready, Craig? Well, it could be like, um, let's just say, does it have probing? You know, probing is important. It's almost mandatory. Absolutely. Right? You had door um, opening, door opening uh, chip conveyance and control. Uh, you know a little bit about that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, we also, um, coolant, you know, coolant is very important and lights out operations. Uh, but there is a um, And it's long- different. You know, you, you brought up chip conveyance and, and, and controlling that. That's what we do. But it's different with it with a lights out wow. application because you need more coolant. You need you need to be oh. you're going well, all the time. That's why you have to have a coolant yeah. refilling. Right. Yeah. So yeah. so sometimes we have to add like an extra tank so that right. Right. as it's going through the night right. you're you're maintaining that. It's not just the um, let's say the amount of coolant. Uh, how stable is your coolant? And we know that too because you're right. going to go through coolant faster. Sure. Um, and and so the chemistry's got to be right as well because uh, you got to protect all you know the part and obviously the uh, the mills and drills and taps and everything else that goes with it. They always say you know, go, the devil's in the details, right? The yeah. devil's in the details. I want right. to go back to what you said about people being afraid about oh it's going to take a job away from me because that's believe it or not that's still a thing. Like mm-hmm. people still I, believe. There's some machinists that still believe this is going to take away from my job. Right. And it's such a, you know, um, a it's fallacy. Such a mis- no, it's a fallacy. It, it really is, Jim. Right. And I was quoting a gentleman on your team, Austin, who was saying in over 300 installations, not a single person has lost their job because of a robot. That's correct. It just hasn't happened. All of those companies end up growing and getting better and getting bigger because of the automation that Absolutely. they bring in. And they add one more thing. It's like, um, this is a new era. Uh, people want to work for companies that are investing in automation. So it's a retention piece. Mm. Also, culturally, uh, it's an attraction piece for bringing in the best talent because the talent, wants, when they want to come work for a machine shop, they don't want to be a machine operator. They want to be a machinist. Right. You know, it, There's w- a big no matter what yeah. level they are. Yeah. Um, so, and I know that the machine shop owners truly were people that worked on the floor before, you know, so Jim can speak to that. And they want to have people that echo their same personalities, right? So they want people to work in their organizations that are committed to that profession. Uh, they just don't want somebody to do machine tending, taking parts in and out all day long. Well, I think, I, I think it's I, mundane I, I, I slightly disagree that it doesn't take jobs because it does. It, it just takes the jobs that nobody wants to do. Yeah, there you go. And no, and no business owner wants to pay them. anyone yeah, to do exactly, it. So, exactly. And then it creates a career yeah, where, you're, you where you're now like, um, you have more accountability to run three, four, five, six machines yeah. and get more out of your shop overall if you want to take that step. If you're yeah. somebody that wants to move something from here to there over and yeah. over again, then you might hate the robots. Well, and again, this goes back to culture. So you have to have a yearning for technology and also a desire to train your team because there might be that person who says, all I know is how, I just, is how to open up the door, take parts off. But as a manufacturing leader, if you say to your team, I'm going to train you to be better. I'm sure. going to teach you new skills. We're going to get a robot to do that. And I'm going to challenge you to do better. Yeah, right. Maybe, right. maybe you're going to train them to be a programmer. Yeah, we need more programmers. Hey, Jim, can you take a college course that teaches you how to run a machine shop? Well, I guess you can. I really don't know about that, but I can certainly tell you that 
pro shop is helping me run my business like a college level course. All you have to do is follow the process. Well, okay. you know, nobody goes to college anymore anyway. Yeah, they, they listen do. to podcasts. <laughs> they listen to podcasts. They follow the system in ProShop. All your processes will be documented. Everything will be laid out in a way that's going to promote continuous improvement in your shop. Absolutely. The best part is, is when you're using ProShop, your company becomes completely paperless. Oh, that's awesome. So where do they learn more? Go to ProShopERP.com. Derek, let's speak, let's speak to the gym's fear, but pre-automation of... I'm going to have to become some computer science nerd who can program everything with, with your customers. And, you know, the, it seems like on the surface, okay, I'm grabbing all these different pallets. That means the machine needs to understand new programs. And how complicated is that for someone who's just getting started with right, pallet delivery? Right. Well, that's the beauty of, you know, an automated pallet system. You don't need to know any robot programming. So, any? Zero. No, the robot programming is done by us, and we will calibrate each one of those pallet locations the loading station location, the CNC machine tool. And really just to build on the conversation you guys were having with people. So in a high high mix environment, you're still constantly setting up new parts, checking new parts, inspecting parts. So what we find, and we manufacture with our own systems in our own organization, and we find that the day is for the skilled people. So a skilled person will set up a job, do all the inspection, prove it out, we're ready to go, but we don't run it. We'll set up another job, prove it out, inspect it, ready to go, we don't run it. Sometimes we can do three or four part numbers per day. We'll load it all up and then we run parts at night. So that's the groove that we've fallen into because we run a high mix, we run 70 different part numbers, but in very low volume, five or 10 parts at a time. You know, Derek, I I had a question. How does that pallet locate on the, the, the table pallet. Right. So w- when, that, when the robot picks that pallet up yeah. off and slides it on top of the, into right. the machine, into the chip making part, right. what, how, did the, how does that pallet locate? Because it's gotta be somewhat precision, right? It, it is, so it's a zero point system. There okay. are several good zero point systems on the market. Is, are they uh, tapered? Does it align on a taper? Um, there, are, there are different types. Our particular, so we use the Shunk zero point system, okay. Vero S, it's an automation unit. So we have a center pull stud that goes into the receiver, two pistons close, spring over oh. close. Okay. So we're located centrally there, and then we have two dowel pins on the underside of our pallet. And they, are, they go into a precision V-block, also spring-loaded, so it kind of finds its right place. Right. And you have five micron repeatability with its Oh, that chunk. Accuracy is five microns. Yes. Yeah. Wow. It has to be. Extremely yeah. accurate. It would yeah. have to be, yeah. Yes. Thank you for answering that. I was always curious. So, you know, I know you guys are using some automated technology, too, also from Shunk, but different than the VROS. So, yeah. so how, how is the uh, automated clamping a little bit different there? Um, a little bit different because we're using uh, standard uh, pneumatic or air over hydraulic or hydraulic vices uh, that you might see in a shop today. Uh, not much variant uh, in the style of what you know uh, a manual system would look like, but it's uh, air actuator or hydraulic or air over hydraulic related. So when the robot 
end effector delivers the workpiece, the vice knows to close. Correct. Yes. Whereas yeah. your vice is not opening or closing no. during the auto, during right. the automating process. It's do it's that's still very manual with pallet delivery. Correct. On our systems, we're still loading the system out of the load station, so we still have a person loading up the system. It could take an hour at the end of the day, but it's focused work. We load up the entire system, and then we run it. In our case, overnight. We actually think that's a feature. So I'm on the West Coast. We've got a lot of medical device, aerospace, a lot of super complex components. So we'll let a robot load parts all night. Let's get some unmanned runtime. But a human is still interacting with each part. So as you open a vice, you know, when you flip that part for the second op, there's a lot of skill there in the operator. You use a torque wrench, get everything just right. So it's still good. You know, people are still really important to this process. To, to build on something someone said, I've been doing this for five years and nobody has ever told me that they were able to lay somebody off because they got a robot. Right. It has not happened. I've never been told that. Yeah. It's like they're filling jobs rather than laying anybody off. Right. Yeah. This is their, that's what the robotics are right. doing now. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So let's talk a little bit about what it takes to get into it. So, we, you know, we've talked about like the nuts and bolts, but robots kind of sound expensive. You know, I, I, I'm adding all this automation to my machine. I already spent a bunch of money on my machine. Is, is this a big barrier to entry, like the, the initial cost of, of... Yeah, tell me how much it's gonna cost me. You want a quote right now? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, what's the machine? Yeah. Uh, uh, it, it is an investment, that's for sure. I mean, you would think, you know, depending what you're doing, it's gonna be anywhere from $90,000 to $250,000 to automate a standard sized CNC machine. It's an investment. Uh, but you've got to look at the return on that investment. So what we're finding, what I was telling people anecdotally, what, what I found in our shop is three to four times the throughput on a spindle. So the spindle utilization goes way up. Oh, absolutely. And we started getting that data from our customers. We have a customer that has two Haas UMC 750 machines. Two. Two of them. One is a standalone. One has an automation system. Over two years, the machine with the automation system was in the cut four times the amount of the standalone machine. Wow. So now it just becomes simple mathematic equation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And speaking yeah. of those mathematic equations, like I imagine you guys have kind of standard math problems that you have to walk your customers through. So well, that's it, an important question. People yeah. are gonna yeah, do the math for me, right? Invest money in that. They want to see an ROI. Right. We yeah. all, as business owners, we all want to see an ROI on something, sure. right? But, yeah. but so, there's another there's another math problem uh, as far as like what it takes to get through the night. Like, yeah. like how do I how do I know how many unattended hours I can achieve? Is is that something that you guys help people through or? All the time. So the first question for me is, what's your part size and weight, and what is your cycle time? For our particular system, if you tell me that you're within this kind of basketball size part. Oh, that's a good analogy. Okay, okay, good. And if your cycle time is somewhere between 20 minutes and an hour and a half, I know that we will give you a return on your investment. Oh, we do complex five axis parts and it takes five hours. Mm -hmm. So we're running all that on our right. uh, palletization system. Right, so right. Because we, we can, if it's five hours times eight, that's 40 hours sure. of running nonstop. Exactly, yeah. so, so in your case with a five hour cycle time, yeah. you can run <laughs> with less pallets. Right. So that's part of the decision making process. How many pallets do I need sure. to achieve 
24 hours of unmanned running. That's, right. that's a great way of thinking about it. So a basketball-sized part, 20 minutes to an hour cycle time. Minimum. Right. Yeah. And what, what about you, Craig? Well, I just want to add one thing real quick on this. There's um, A3, just a big plug for them. Um, obviously, there's a, it's a good association to be affiliated with. They have a calculator uh, on their website. It's the um, robot ROI calculator. But what association is this? It's A3. Oh, A3. Automation. Okay. Yep, that's uh, RIA, Robot Institutes Association. Okay, got it. Known as. Um, but they have a, a, a fantastic uh, web-based piece that does the calculation for you. Um, but what I love about it, after you put the information in there, because uh, people don't know sometimes how to even calculate an ROI or a burden rate. Uh, so in there, it'll say, look, how many people are, are going to be replaced Oh, or filled, let's just say that. Um, and then how much the investment is, how much the savings is, et cetera. And the amazing thing is about it is we always think about ROI. That's always that. We start thinking about, okay, is it a, a 11 month or 16 month ROI? When am ROI? I gonna get the payback? Right. But nobody, rem nobody thinks about the millions of dollars after you met your ROI date mm -hmm. over 15, 20 years. We both used uh, a very robust solution. We have FANUC robots. And my best analogy is these FANUC robots are for dirty, dangerous, high speed, high payload capacity. These robots are like, this is the best analogy is it's grandma driving her car to church on Sunday. It's not seeing a lot of activity. It's right. got a lot of sit it's sitting time. Um, it's not seeing a lot of its payload. It's not seeing a lot of its top speeds. It's, it's gonna last a very long time. And, our systems, I got to believe, is that they're going to see maybe three or four or five different CNCs in its lifetime before they put this thing to the scrapyard. Wow. So long story short is if you do the calculation in there and you determine, oh, it looks like an 11-month ROI, you will actually see 2 to $3 million that that machine shop's going to save over 15 years. Is that something now we got to start talking about? Yeah. Let's, let's talk about the millions of dollars you're going to save over those years that you're not paying somebody to operate the equipment that doesn't really want to operate that equipment. Sure. Right. And all the hidden benefits too. We've talked a lot about unlocking creativity of your employees. It's impossible to calculate the, the benefit that you've achieved from somebody being more motivated at work, doing more complex right. tasks, you know, right. really using their mind, which is what this whole industry is all about. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and, and you'll see as you put one robot in, um, the people that were either lukewarm or are really interested in it are going to see other opportunities for automation, not even just in CNC machine tending. They'll see other opportunities for that. Um, the other benefit that we got to remember is that you, it's easier for us to quote jobs now, right? And quote and be well, there is a learning curve. I will tell you because I, I had to figure it out. You know right. what I mean? I, I didn't know how to quote right. using lights out machining or automation. So it, it, there is a so, little so bit of a the customer says, kind of experimental. What if the customer says, hey, you've added uh, automation, so do I now get a better price? Well, it's just like depreciation. How do you calculate yes. how you're using your, your CNC? How do you calculate that? So it's a capital asset, right? So how are you, if you're going to look at it under uh, a gap model or you're going to look at a depreciation model, whatever you're going to say, how you calculate your hourly rate, yes, you should have an hourly rate for your, your robot as well. Okay, um, a lot of companies say, "Look, I'm just going to quote my labor rate because everybody out there, 97% of the CNCs out there are not automated. So why don't you quote it as if labor's in front of it, and then margin out? These companies are much more profitable 
and they're able to invest in it. Look, guys, we have, everybody's got Ferraris in their machine shops. Think about it, right? yeah. Ferraris, yep. and they're being underutilized. And everybody I've talked to uh, during these last five days, all they're here for is not more machine tools, they're here for op optimization of the machine tools they currently have. That's what the theme is at IMTS this year. Sure. What, what type of feedback are you each getting from the manufacturing leaders out there that are visiting your booths? Like, what's been the most profound conversation that you've had? From the manufacturers? From, from the shop owners out there that have came, come and visit your booth. You know, honestly, most of them have questions, right? So because most shop owners are not yet automating, especially mm -hmm. in the high mix environment. I heard only 7% of shops are automated. Right. Sounds about right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. right. So there's a fear factor. They know CNC. This is the challenge. They've been doing CNC forever. They don't know automation. So we really just try to get them in that comfort zone. Um, in our particular case, um, when we bring a, an automation system in, we integrate it completely. So we try to do it. It's a five-day cycle when things go perfectly right, which is not always, uh, but our goal is to come in on a Monday, anchor a system, calibrate a system, install an auto door, connect to the CNC controller, test everything, train our customer, and by Friday, if our customer has CNC programs, cutting tools ready, they're running production through the first weekend. Hey, Metalworking Nation, Jim here. As you all know, Carr recently started using Amper Technologies machine monitoring about eight months ago. You all know I was skeptical because I knew, well, I thought I knew where our problems were on the shop floor. But once we started collecting the data, we really understood where the issues were and more importantly, the successes. Yes, it was setup issues, just as we thought, but once we had the metrics, all we needed to do is incrementally improve month over month, and we have. What we didn't realize is the huge successes of our new automation. It has been a real eye-opener, and if we didn't have Amper's measuring system, we would never have known the true impact, and it will be for you too. Come visit us and our friends at the Amper booth in the East Building at IMTS for your free 30-day trial. Or if you can't wait, go to amper.xyz and click the try for free button. Bam. So as a closing thought, we've got two automation guys up here and different ways of doing it. You guys aren't going, you know, fisticuffs over here. Do you think of each other as competitors? <laughs> I'm putting you guys on a spot with an awkward question to end it. <laughs> Honestly, I, I mean, we, I think we have complementary systems. I think you're going to see RoboJob and Trinity in the same companies just doing slightly different tasks. Do you agree? Absolutely. And there's a lot of market to go after. So I yeah. think we'll work. 93%. Absolutely. Or more. And here's the thing. Um, we owe it to um, the U.S. manufacturing uh, that we get this figured out. And if we do it as partners, uh, we got a lot more to gain together right. uh, in trying to automate the uh, CNC machines in the U.S. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's really what this, this whole podcast is about. This whole making chips thing is about is yeah. just surrounding the manufacturing community with other people who can help elevate their skills, solve their problems, and, and grow, their, grow business. their business. Exactly. Yeah. And there's so many other ways to automate your shop. We just, we only have 30 minutes. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> so it's a kind of end. Uh, your booth is where? Your, where? Where can we find you guys? Uh, we're in the East booth, 134-129. East one, is down there. Craig, you're down there too, right? 
We're in actually the south building. Okay. Um, so we're in the we're not too far from this there. This way. Yeah, three three eight two seven five. Just between Haas and Mazak, you just keep going down that aisle. Cool. Great. And then they can find the Making Chips podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Pod, wherever, wherever you find Spotify. it. Makingchips.com. Yeah. Yeah. Makingchips.com. Yeah. You can listen to it that. Absolutely. So thank and, you very much for, yeah. for listening. And um, thanks again to IMTS for having yeah, us back you. for the, our third time. Um, we missed 2020, but uh, we're back. And it's great to be back. It's and great to be back. And 2024 will be here before we know it, and it's going to be even bigger and better. Yeah. Can't so wait. what do we is say? That, is that two years from now? Two years, Jim. You still going to be here? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll so, see. Because at the end of the day, you got to get that promotion back from Paul. I know. I know. I know. I know. I, I'll work on it. How's if he that? gets back into his place, he can he can get us to where we Maybe need. Maybe they'll start letting you make some chips again eventually. Yeah. Because if you're not making chips, you're not making money. Bam. Bam. for listening to the Making Chips podcast. Jim and Jason knew that the metalworking nation, the community of world-class makers, needed to commit to a new way of leading to stay ahead of the competition. So, Making Chips was created to fill that void, to give you advice from other manufacturing leaders who can push you to take action. Your manufacturing challenges have a solution, and many of them are at makingchips.com.